guys remember last week uh, we talked about stewardship in the context of time and the way that we manage and the way we use our time as an accountability to the Lord. Um, and so today, as I warned you last week, we were going to talk about money. We're going to talk about the concept of stewardship of money. Um, but first, just quickly reviewing, if you guys remember from last week, uh, we define stewardship as the accountability for what God has given to you and how you use it. Uh, we talked about last week in the context of time, right? God has given us time, and we have an accountability before Him of what we do with that time, how we use that time, how we use those days and those weeks and those years that He's given to us. And a lot of times, it's, it's really easy for us to kind of lose concept of time, and we just kind of feel like, Time is this just uh, this, this non-tangible thing, and so we just don't really put a lot of effort into where our time goes. We talked last week about time wasters, things that we do that just end up wasting time. We have no accountability. Uh, we have nothing to show for that time that has been wasted. Uh, and so last week we, we looked at uh, 10 principles um, to help guide the way that we look at our time. And uh, we ended last week with a practice um, for us to go into to take a hard look at where we spend our time. Where do we spend our time? What are the things that are in our life that are consuming our time? And are those things valuable? Are they worth the time that we give to them? Um, and to take an honest look at those things. And so what I want us to do is I want us to start this morning uh, by reviewing last week's practice. Um, so how did your practice this week of looking at your time, of stewarding your time, how did, that, how did that go for you? Was there anything that you learned about yourself, about the way you use time over this past week um, that's going to be helpful going forward as you think about the way that you want to invest the time that you have? Okay, so let's take uh, maybe two minutes. Uh, if you want to kind of get in groups of four to, four to five people around you, that would be awesome. Uh, and let's just talk about that real quickly before we jump into uh, money and the use of that this morning. <laughs> well, hopefully, um, hopefully this week, at the very least, you had um, taken some time to, to, to really look at your time. You took some time to focus on what, uh, what you spend your time on, those things that you invest, because a lot of that will tell what your, what your heart is really focused on, right? The mm -hmm. things that we spend our time on are the things that, in a lot of ways, tell of where our heart is at. And so in the same vein, this morning... Uh, we want to look at money uh, and stewardship of our finances, how we use those, because again, I believe it's a very similar concept as with time. Um, just quick, before we, before we start, really dive in too deep into this, this idea of, of money and stewardship of money, uh, I want us just to give you guys a couple of facts about money. Uh, a lot of people will say, well, well, preacher man, right? No, one's, no one calls me preacher man in this group, and I appreciate you guys not calling me that. Right, but somebody's like, preacher man, why do you always talk about money? Why does the church always talk about money? Right, that's all I hear, money, 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 money. And we, we said last week that um, while we acknowledge that there are some churches, there are some places, there are some environments that do focus on that, probably for not all gospel reasons, um, the reason that we want to focus on it this morning is not because we need more money, right? Um, if we believe what the Bible says is that it's all God's, it's not. we don't talk about it because we need more money. We talk about it because it's something that's important. It's something that God has found to be an important part. And God is telling us and has told us that it's an important aspect of our lives. Listen to this. 2,350 verses in the Bible deal with money, wealth, or possessions. Let that sink in for just a second. 2,350 verses speak either about money, wealth, or possessions. Right? That's a lot. Just in comparison to that, 500 Bible verses talk about the idea of faith and prayer. So compare that. 500 that talk about faith and prayer, 2,350 talk about the realm of money, possessions, and the things that we have. Right? And so it's, it's significant because it's significant in the Bible, because, because God word, God's Word talks about that. Jesus roughly speaks 15% of his preaching is around the idea of money and finances and, and possessions. 11 out of his 39 parables talk about it. Um, it was one of his most talked about topics, and so we must talk about it as well. And Donald Whitley, uh, Don, Donald Whitney, um, who wrote uh, 
the, the spiritual disciplines to Christian life, he says it this way. He says, so how we use our money for others and especially for the sake of the kingdom is from first to last a spiritual issue. From first to last a spiritual issue. See, a lot of times we look at money and we say, well, that's, that's just a, it's just a physical thing. It's just a material thing, right? What does that have to do with my relationship with God, right? Why, why should we talk about money? It's, it's, I think a lot of times what we do is we categorize, right? We say, okay, here's the material world. Here's all the things that I do in my everyday material life, right? My possessions, my things, even how I spend my time a lot of times. And then there's the spiritual realm. That's when I read my Bible and I pray and I, you know, and I get together with other Christians, right? And, and we have this, and there's this chasm, right? These two are separated, right? And that's how we look at it a lot of times. And I think that's why we miss the point. But from first to last, the way that we spend our money isn't just a material thing. It's also a spiritual issue, right? And I think there's two reasons that God makes such a big deal about how we spend our finances, right? And let me just say before we get started, um, if, if you're in this room and you're not in a place where you're financially providing for yourself, so probably speaking specifically to a lot of our teenagers, um, don't tune out. Right? This is not just a, okay, I'm not in this phase of life, so I don't need to think about it. This is a principle that, that if we can get this right at this point in your life, it's going to really set you up in the way that you look at how God wants you to spend your money. So don't tune out this morning just because, well, yeah, I don't have a job or I don't need to think about this right now. Um, listen wisely. For some of us in this room that have, have done it poorly, right? this morning we would say, please listen wisely. Don't make some of the mistakes that we've made uh, with our finances in our life. And so why is this a big deal? Well, first of all, I think it's a big deal because it's a matter of obedience, right? Because it shows our obedience, right? 2,350 times God talks about how we should use money, right? That's a significant amount. And a lot of those places he tells us how we should steward that money. In the story that Andrew shared this morning, the parable he shared, right, of, of, the, of the servants that were given the talents, Right? It wasn't just that you take the money and then you just hold on to it, right? But it was the ones that would take those talents and that multiplied those that Jesus said, well done. In the same way with our finances, right? God tells us specifically how he wants us to be able to use those in order to bring about kingdom purposes, to bring about the gospel message, to bring about the good news of Jesus Christ and how we can use that to meet people's needs. And so it's a matter of just obedience, do we really believe that God cares about the way that we spend our money? Do we really believe that we're going to have an accountability of how we spend what he's given to us? And if that's true, then it shows our obedience. But secondly, it shows our heart. It shows our heart. I think this is critical. right? Think about it this way. Um, we invest so much of our days and our life in working a job. right? For many of us, that looks like 40 60, 80, or more than that, hours of our life invested in a job to earn what? To earn money, right? And so that money and how we spend that money really represents a great majority of ourselves. If we think about, if you think about that for a minute, if you invest 40 hours of your life into something in exchange for something else, Right? So I go to work, and I work 40 hours, and then I get a check at the end of the week, the end of two weeks. The way that I spend that check, the way that I spend that money, is a pretty good indicator of where my heart's at. Not just because it's money, but because I've invested so much in myself in order to get that money. Right? And so I think that one of the reasons that God cares so much about money is because it shows a matter of where our hearts are at. It reveals what are priorities in our life. What do we value? What's really at the deepest point of our life? Jesus says in Matthew 6, 24, we've probably all heard this passage um, many, many times, but he says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Excuse me. You cannot serve God and money. That doesn't, Jesus doesn't say you can't have money. He doesn't even say use money. But you can't serve money. Where's your heart at, right? That's the biggest picture. If, if you walk away with nothing else this morning, right? If you walk away with nothing else, the point I want us to make sure that we drive home today is it's about where our hearts are at, right? It's where our hearts are at. And, and I know for some people, let me just say this is kind of like a, 
a little caveat before we get too far into it. I know some people have had some probably some pretty hard experiences, maybe with a church, maybe in a certain place where money was used, uh, where people have, have, have used uh, money, put a guilt trip on people to give money, and so you're kind of burnt by that. Let me just say, don't let that experience ruin what God wants to do in your life. If you're at a point in your life and you can't trust the local church with money because of an experience, don't, don't allow that to stop you from giving to something else that God's doing, right? It's not just about giving here. It's about being generous, and it's about following what God has called you to do, called each one of us to do. And so today, what I want us to do briefly is to look at uh, 10 principles found in Scripture about our money, how we use our money, the way we look at our money, okay? Uh, and then we're going to look at some practical steps that will help us in that process. So that's, the, that's kind of the outline plan for today. Um, but before we get to those principles, I want to give us another uh, just couple of minutes to discuss uh, a little bit more about money. We talked about our time a minute ago. Let's talk about our money. What have you heard about money um, from your church experience up to this point? Or what is your understanding of what God says about money from his word? Uh, let's just kind of start with the base level. What have you heard about what have you heard from either from the Bible or from church about how you should use your money, what God expects for you to use your money on? Okay, so let's start there. Talk about that uh, with some people around you for a few minutes. Um, I'll give you two minutes and then we'll come back and look at these 10 principles from Scripture. But I want us uh, first this morning to look at some, some principles, some general principles we find from, from the Bible, from the New Testament specifically about uh, giving about our hearts toward giving, what our hearts should be about giving, about this practice um, in our lives. Before we get there, uh, if you guys would, let's just uh, let's just uh, go to the Lord again in in a word of prayer. Father, thank you for this morning. Um, already, God, just being able to sing songs of praise to Your name, uh, to be able to have discussion with fellow brothers and sisters of, in Christ, Lord, to be able just to to talk about our experience with money, things that we've heard, things that we uh, believe that you say from your word about that, Father. Uh, and I pray you would just guide our time this morning. Uh, I pray that as we dive in and look at this topic um, of money, this subject, this discipline, really, uh, of stewardship and how, how we use the money that you've entrusted to us, um, Father, I pray that uh, it wouldn't be a burdensome uh, discussion, God, but it would be a very freeing, uh, God, just a, a very life-giving conversation and uh, discussion on uh, how to use what you have so generously blessed each one of us with. We thank you for that, God. We pray that your spirit would guide us in our time this morning. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so let's start with the most important principle, uh, because this really sets the foundation for everything else about the way we look at money, and that's just purely just understanding that God owns everything that we own, right? From a very basic level, we have to realize that God already owns everything, and so that paycheck that we have, that job that we go to, those, that car, that's, it's all his, right? If we go back to the very first page of the Bible, right, we realize that in the beginning God created everything. And so as the creator, it's already his. And so this idea of stewardship is not that I'm taking my money and how I want to use it, right? That's how we think about it so many times. This is my money. I've worked and I've earned my money and I'm going to do what I want to do with it. But at the very foundation, we have to understand that it's actually God's money that he's allowing us, he's entrusting us to use for a purpose. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 26, Paul talks about this. He's picking up, he's quoting from the Psalms, and he says this. He says, for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Right? To put that another way, God owns everything. The Bible says that he lands. He owns the land and the cattle and the land of a thousand hills, right? Just this picture of that everything belongs to God, right? And at the base level, God doesn't need our money, ultimately, because it's already his, right? He has everything. He doesn't need our things in order to somehow make uh, his plan and purposes work, right? But at the core, is it, is it in my mind and my understanding that ultimately it's his? Everything that I have is a good gift from him, right? And so the question isn't, is it my money, is it his money? The question becomes about, what do I do with the money that God's given to me? What do I do with this resource? In the same way we looked at time last week, right? God has given each of us time in this life. And the question isn't whether I own the time or not. It's his time. He designates when that time begins and when that time ends. The question is, how do I manage that, right? We are, we are managers 
of what God has given to us. I think one of the best pictures that we get within, within uh, Scripture of, of how to look at that is the picture of Joseph. You guys remember Joseph in the Old Testament, right? Um, dude that had the coat of many colors, right? Um, and, and I'm not going to go into the whole story, but, but essentially his brothers right, got mad at him, sold him into slavery, right? And he lands up working in the house of a guy named Potiphar. You guys remember that story? Right? And, and as he worked in Potiphar's house, right, he earned favor with Potiphar and he worked his way all the way up to being the manager of Potiphar's house. Right? And so ultimately, Joseph was in charge of everything that happened in Potiphar's house, of the servants, of everything else that happened there. Joseph was the guy who was in charge of it. And he was making plans and he was, he was running the household, right? But question was it his house at the end of the day? No, right? He was just a manager of it. And that's the, that's the way I think that's a biblical way for us to look at our finances, specifically as we're talking about today, but it could also be our time and other resources, right? But to realize that we're not the owners of it, we're just the managers of it, right? We are to enjoy the things that God has given to us, but to always remember that they are his, right? God gives us this earth and the things that we have to enjoy them, but to realize that they're ultimately his, Right? See, I think we get this wrong a lot of times when we, when we look at that. You know, we take, we'll take our paycheck, for example. We'll take our paycheck home, right? And say, say at the end of the week, we've made $500, right? And so the way we look at that money is we say, man, I made $500 this week. And I'm going to give God 10% of that $500. I'm going to keep 90% for myself, right, to use, right? But the perspective on that is all messed up. We need to realize that all 100% of that is God's, and then I'm going to take 90% 90 of that and use that for my needs, right? But the ultimate picture is that 100% of that is God's, right? It's like the analogy of the house that we live in, right? Most of us go home, and we go to this place that we live in, and we call it my house, right? This is my house. Come over to my house, right? We're going to have some people over later today to my house. But the reality is that at some point, my house that I live in now actually belonged to somebody else. It was somebody else at a, at a point in history called it my house. Same thing with our cars, right? For a lot of us, uh, we can say, this is my car. This is my car. Somebody else, somebody else owned that at some point. And the truth of the matter is, on a lot of our things, at some point, somebody else is going to probably own it at some point in history if the Lord delays, right? We don't actually own anything. It all belongs to him. And so how do I steward, how do I use that is really the question. But at foundation level to realize that God owns everything that we own. Number two then, right under that, is giving is an act of worship then. So then when I take a portion of what God has given to me, a portion of his goodness that he has given to me, allowed me to use, right, and I give it back to him to use for his purposes, um, that's seen as an act of worship. Not, not begrudgingly because I have to, but it should be seen as an act of worship. Listen to how Paul describes this in Philippians chapter 4. Philippians 4.18 says this. I have received full payment in more. He's talking about when, 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 they, when they sent money to, to meet some of Paul's needs. He said, I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gift that you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. Listen to the language that Paul describes that gift that was given, right? He doesn't say that I got money, so now all my needs are met, so I'm just living the high life, everything's great, right? He looks at that and says, this is actually a gift to God. It's a sacrifice to God, right? Is that the way that we look at when we, when we give money to God, when we give money to the local church, when we give money to those in need? Do we look at that as an opportunity of worshiping God, Right? Or do we kind of still separate that as kind of this separate thing? And I think that's, that's so much of the heart issue a lot of times is when we look at money, we don't see it as an opportunity to worship God in that way, to give him back something that he's already given to us to watch what he's going to be able to do with that. Again, um, one practical step that as I was reading that this week that somebody said, you know, for a lot of us, uh, we've kind of moved to an online system of giving. Um, and I think there's a lot of really awesome benefits and helpful things to that. If you're anything like me, um, trying to remember to bring a check is just like the hardest practice in the world uh, one day a week because I don't use a check any of the rest of my life. So setting up online giving where it just kind of automatically comes out so that you're, you're faithful in that and that you remember to do that I think is an awesome way. But 
Uh, one of the practices that was suggested that may be helpful for some of us that do that is, is still taking a little small portion of that. Maybe it's taking a couple of bucks that we were going to give, right, and tangibly getting that out and actually just the act of putting that into, um, into you know, for us, we have a treasure box in the back. We call it a treasure bar- box because Jesus said we're, you know, where your, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is, and so we call it our treasure box. Um, maybe, maybe for some of us, if we kind of disconnected the idea of worship from this, maybe we just need to tangibly take a dollar or two each week and be able to take it and drop it in a box as a reminder that this is actually an offering. This is worship for God when I'm able to do that. Okay? Number three. Number three. We're going to try to move through these fairly quickly. Number three. Giving reflects uh, faith in God's provision. Right? So just from a very practical standpoint, when you give back to God a portion of what he's given to you, right? Now you have to make do with less. And so for us, it shows a picture of trusting God that he's going to meet those that gap, right? For most of us, we don't have a huge margin of, of financial room in our life, right? And so if we give $100 or $10 or $20, whatever that is, when we give that, right, that's going to be 10 or 20 or $100 that we don't have to make our spending work. And so what, what giving does then is it reflects that, you know what, I'm going to trust that God's going to get me through this. I'm going to trust that, you know what, I'm going to be faithful in giving him because it's worship and because he actually owns it all. And I'm going to just trust. I'm going to put my trust that he's going to make it work. He's going to help me and provide for me and what I need. And I can't tell you the times that, uh, and just in my life, that I've seen that happen. Times that we didn't have it to give, but we knew that God called us to give and how many times God just showed up. And I can't tell you, like, some of those were the biggest faith-building moments in our life, right? Because it just didn't make sense. It was just crazy stuff. Like, you know, um, I won't get too much into it, but there was a season where Nicole and I, neither one of us had a job. Um, but yet we had, we, you know, we, we found some jobs, and, and people were very generous to us. And, like, <laughs> I remember one, uh, one person let, let me come and, like, uh, landscape their house. Um, which if they knew anything about me, they would have never offered to give me money to actually do that. Uh, and I got this wonderful gift of poison ivy for like two weeks afterwards, um, right? And so we, we had these little jobs that we would do, but like we certainly didn't have a lot of extra, um, right? But we knew that God had said, you know what, continue to be faithful. And I can't tell you in that season of life how many times that we would get a check that showed up of things that we didn't even realize, right? Um, and, it's, and it's not to say that if you give, God's going to magically, you know, the publisher's clearinghouse guy is going to show up and you're going to get a million dollars, right? That wasn't the point of it. The point was that we put our trust in God and that he provided for those needs. Some of those weren't just a check showing up. Sometimes those were just people doing very generous things to meet our needs to help us in that part of our life. And so, and so to realize that when we give, it reflects that God has got this, Right? I'm reminded of this of the story in Matthew chapter 12, um, where Jesus was standing there and just watching, right? And he said that there was a poor widow that came by, and she dropped in two copper coins, right, which make a penny. And he called the disciples to him, and he said, Truly, I say to you, this poor woman has put in more than all those contributing to the offering box, for they contribute out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty put everything that she had. Uh, all that she had to live on, right? And it was this picture for this, this widow, and this is why Jesus elevated her story, was, was because it wasn't about the amount, but it was about the trust, right? It was that I was going to trust God. Uh, she was going to trust God, even though she didn't have hardly any to start out with. And so it's a level of allowing our faith in God's provision. And number four, giving as we trust God with that reflects spiritual trustworthiness spiritual trustworthiness right it also shows us as the servant as the as the story that andrew read earlier right are we going to be trustworthy with what god has given to us luke 16 verse 10 jesus says the one who is faithful and very little is also faithful in much and the one who is dishonest and very little is also dishonest in much right it's this picture of like are we going to be trustworthy stewards of what god has given to us. It's kind of like this, right? Imagine for a minute that you are the owner of a lumberyard, okay? You, it's this like lumberyard and you've, you know, you've had it, you've owned it all your life, and now it comes time for retirement. And you're ready to hand it over to the next person, right? And so as you think about who you're going to hand it over to, you decide, you know what? Um, I'm going to hand it over to one of my employees, right? 
So faithful employee, right? Chances are you're probably not going to show up at break time and go and just pick a guy out, right? Um, and say, you know what? Tomorrow, come in. You're actually you're the boss. I'm out. Like, good luck. How's it going to go, right? That's probably not how you would hand off something that you've invested so much of your life into. Chances are you would identify somebody that you thought was trustworthy, you thought would be good for that for that position, right? And you would probably put them in charge of something small, maybe a section of the lumberyard. And over a season of time, you would sit back and see how they manage that as a bigger picture of, of how they're going to manage the resources of that company, how they're going to manage that company. I think it's the same way. God's saying that, look, I'm going to give you some, and, and, and I'm looking for those that I can trust, right, that will steward well what I've given to them. And as I see that, then I'm going to be able to give more and more responsibility to that person, more and more stewardship. I heard it put this way. I thought this was really good. <clears throat> if a biographer at your death scanned the records of your money and looked at your bank account, what would they conclude as to what was important to you in your life? Would your financial footprint prove your spiritual trustworthiness? Right? They just look. Like, even for me, or if you just go and look at your online banking account and the things that you spent your money on, would that be a testimony to God? Would that be a testimony that I've invested in things that are somehow getting the God's name out there, that's getting the gospel out there? Or does it start to look more and more like myself? Right? And that's just a reflective question. That's not a guilt you into something question. That's just a question to think about as you think about our trustworthiness and how we steward what God has given to us. Okay, so we've talked about four of those. Let's take a, take a, take a minute. We're going we're gonna to have a quick conversation, and then we're going to get back to the rest of the list, okay? Um, I want you to talk about this in your groups real quickly. How does understanding our money is God's money change the way that we want to spend our money, okay? So, so how does us coming and understanding that ultimately everything is God's, is actually not mine, it's his, how should that change the way that we look at how we want to spend our money? Okay, so let's take a minute or two, talk about that, and then we're going to come back and uh, start looking at, at some of these other principles. Um, number five then, number five, um, as we move on, giving is an opportunity to respond to needs, right? God also calls us to meet the needs of other people, right? Um, that's, that's, that's one of the ways that we can steward well what God has given to us. Not just to give to a church, yes. I think there in, in Scripture God should say that, that says that we should support our local church and that we should give um, and meet for the needs there, right, for the community, but also there may be other needs too, right, inside and outside of the church that we get the opportunity to respond to um, if we are faithful, good stewards, right? I want to look at a couple of passages in Acts. Um, the early church, I think, becomes the best picture of, of a group of believers that really understood this and put this into practice. Um, Acts 2, 43 through 45. Um, so it says that all came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Verse 44. And all who believed were together, right? I think that's a key component, right? They were the same heart, same mind and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Right? In the early church, they didn't have a lot. They were underground. They were on the run. Right? But the things that they did have, right? And there was a need. They didn't view this as my stuff. They viewed it as this is God's. And if another brother or sister has a need, I'm going to use that, what God has given to me, to meet that need. Fast forward a couple of chapters. Acts chapter 4, 32 through 35. Uh, what I love is these are little pictures. Acts 2 and Acts 4, just little pictures, little, little snapshots of what the early church was all about. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. And no one said of any of the things that belonged to him that it was his own. But they had everything in common. And with great power the apostles were given their testimony to the resurrection to the Lord for the grace that was upon them. And there was not a needy person among Can you imagine? Right? This was the original system to meet needs was the church. There was not a needy person among them. For as they were all, all those who had land were owners of land, they sold their houses and brought the proceeds that were sold and laid it at the feet of the apostles, and it was distributed to each as any had need. How incredible is that? One more place, Acts 11, 27 through 30. Now in, now in these days, the prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. And one of them, named Agabus, stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great time of famine all over the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. little side note there. 
So the disciples determined, everyone according to his ability, to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. Right? Each of these pictures are just pictures of a time that the church saw a need, and together they, they rose up and they met that need. Right? And so when we look at this, 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 uh, at our money, right, as our giving is not just about me, but as it's God's, it allows me then to open up and to meet needs around me. And I told you guys before, I've certainly had that experience in my life where God has showed up and met a need that I've had, right? And it wasn't always just from a check from outside. Sometimes, most of the time, it came through a person. Sometimes it came through a person that would offer me a job. Sometimes it came through a person that was just very generous and had more than they needed, and so they, they gave it to me. Um, we, have, we have some incredible friends um, who every Christmas, it seems like, um, they get these Christmas gifts. Um, and, and my friend is just so generous that uh, there's always, seems like every Christmas, there's something that they get that they don't need, and they hand off and give to us um, because it's more than they need. And I can't tell you how many of those things have been the, like just the most encouraging uh, moments in my life that they've, they've given me those things. Um, and so it's an opportunity, right? It's an opportunity. Uh, do we see needs, right? Um, part of that is, are we open about our needs, right? There's this level of trust within the church. When we have needs, are we willing to ask our brother, are we willing to let that be known to our brothers and sisters? And then when we hear about those needs within the church, are we willing to, to do something about them? Are we willing to take that and to try to help uh, meet those needs. I can, uh, one, one story I want to kind of brag on for a minute. Um, I think we see this hopefully a lot in our life groups. And I know that our, our life group that meets on Tuesday, uh, our ladies group that meets on Tuesday, I know there's been situation after situation where there's been a need that has arose um, and that they have wanted to respond to that need. Now, it hasn't always been financial. It hasn't always just been give money. But sometimes it's showing up and helping out. Sometimes it's giving of other resources. And I know that most of the time because I have a truck. And so they've called me multiple times to say, hey, let's go move somebody. Somebody's moving. They need help doing this. And so I got, you know, I didn't get volunteer. I got voluntold. Um, you know, you guys ever been there? I got vol- hey, we're, we're moving this person. Okay, yes, that must be from the Lord. We're going to go do that. Um, right? But these opportunities to respond to needs when we're open and we understand that. Okay? Um, okay, I'm going to have us, uh, this is probably going to be our last discussion, but I, I think it's important uh, for us to talk about this. Have you ever seen God use someone else in your life to meet a need that you've had? Um, so let's just share stories for a minute of a time that God's actually used somebody else in your life to meet that need. Okay? All right. I'm going to roll through these next these next few, um, not because they're not important. I want to cover them. Um, and so write these down. Um, write down the scripture references. Go back and study these more in depth later if we don't have time to get into them too, too much detail because I do want to make sure that we get uh, to some practical steps in this because that was really what we said when we started this series. We, we don't want this just to be a head knowledge thing. We also want some practical steps that we can start to live out in our life to make this happen. Okay. Number six, um, the Bible says that giving should be sacrificial and generous, right? Sacrificial and generous. It should cost us something. If you guys remember the story we just read a minute ago about the, the poor widow, right? Um, what she gave cost her something. Jesus said, I think that was the reason, right, is it wasn't just that she gave, right? There were other people that were dropping a lot more coins in the giving plate at that point, right? But it cost her something. She gave generously. She gave even when she couldn't afford it. Uh, write this reference down, uh, 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 5. Um, Paul is writing um, to the Corinthians, and he's bragging on these Macedonian givers. And essentially what he's saying is, you know what? They were poor. They didn't have it to give, but yet God called them. And they were generous. They were so generous, even when they didn't have the needs, uh, the, the means to make those needs happen. They gave above and beyond their means um, because they wanted to be a part of what God gave, had called them to be a part of. Right? Uh, Donald Whitney says it this way. He says, Given, giving isn't sacrificial unless you sacrifice to give. I think that's a really good, simple definition, right? Giving isn't sacrificial unless you sacrifice to give. Right? Giving should cost us something, right? If we truly want to give, if we just give and never cost us anything, if we, ne- we have no connection to that, right? We never even have an opportunity to see God work in that. Um, and so uh, the Bible in many, many places calls us to give sacrificially and generously, right? That idea of gener- generosity is not just I'm giving this certain amount begrudgingly, but it's like, man, let me look and see how generous I can be. How many needs can I meet in other people's lives? How many needs is God going to call me 
to use, okay? Um, number seven, giving should be planned and systematic. Planned and systematic. 1 Corinthians 16, 1 through 2, um, Paul's talking about here uh, about setting up a system in order for them to give. Verse 2 says, On the first day of the week, each of you should put aside something to store up uh, that, may, that they may prosper so that there will be no collecting when I come, right? Uh, Paul's talking about that there's a system, right, of setting aside money to meet this need. Um, and here's just a really practical thing of this is in my life, if I'm not systematic, if I'm not planned in the way that I'm giving, it just doesn't happen the way that I know God wants it to happen, right? Because I get busy, I get distracted, um, you know, something comes up, there's always something that comes up to pull from that. And if I'm not systematically giving, if I'm not setting aside a certain amount to give um, in my mind, it never happens. Um, Donald Whitney on this again says something I think is really, really helpful. Um, you know, a lot of us, a lot of times the question comes, well, well, is this tithing? Is it just 10%? Is that, and I think tithing is an Old Testament concept. I think it's a New, New Testament. Uh, there's some wisdom in that in the New Testament, right? But in the New Testament specifically, we get the word generosity. We get sacrificial giving, right? He says it this way, 10% does not make a ceiling of giving at which to stop, but a floor from which to grow. And I think that's really, really helpful. Um, I think what we do a lot of times in, we, in our mind is we say, okay, again, this is a checkbox thing, right? It's not about my heart. It's not about um, how I want to see God grow me in that area. And so we say, man, I reached that 10% check. I'm good. And we never think about it for the rest of our life, right? But if we truly believe that giving is a, not just a material issue, but also a spiritual issue, why are we content with 10% for the rest of our Christian walk when we wouldn't say that for the rest of our with other aspects of our Christian walk. So think about some of the practices we've already talked about, right? Would any of us in this room say, you know what? I read one verse of scripture every week and I'm content. I don't think I need to do more than that for the rest of my life. Would we say that? I prayed for one minute today, maybe five minutes today, and I'm content. I don't think that my prayer life should ever grow past that. I've checked the box. I'm good. Do we ever make that statement? We would never say that. We would always say that God would want to continue to grow us in that area. And I think we need to be open about that even in our finances, is that, yes, 10% may be a great starting point for many of us. Now, let me also say, some people in this room, we may, that may not be the starting point. Financially, you may not be in a place that 10% of your income is realistic for you at this point in your life, right? Start where you need to start somewhere, but continue to trust that God's going to grow that. Continue to look, right, and to long for ways to grow that. I think 10% is a great starting point. It's a great place to get to. But let's not just look and say, okay, well, I'm done. That's it. I never need to give more than that. When you do not give systematically, you tend to give sporadically, which tends to be less generous and less sacrificial over time. Right? I just came up with that this week, so I was really proud. I usually quote all these other brilliant people, and I was like, oh, I came up with something that kind of makes somewhat sense. So, um, again, I'm not going to repeat it again. That sounds proud. Uh, but... Here's the thing, right? Here's the thing, right? Let's have a system. Let's think through that. How we let's decide, like as a I remember as a kid growing up, um, right? Every time the offering plate came by, right, it was like I always felt compelled, so I just threw something in there, right? But there was no consistency. There was no thinking about it. There was certainly not really connection. As this is worship, it was just kind of like I need to do this, um, right? So I just throw some money in there, whatever's in my pocket, whatever I had on me. Maybe not as a kid, maybe as a young adult, um, right? But but thinking about that. Um, we need to make giving something that's systematic that we can do regularly so that it actually happens the way that God has called us to do that. Polls tell us this, that the more Americans make, the less sacrificially they give. Isn't that crazy? You would think that the more money you, you, you got, the easier it would be to give sacrificially. But what we see is that typically it's kind of this downward thing. Yes, they may be giving a few more dollars than they were giving before, but that sacrificial piece kind of loses as they continue to get more and more money. Okay, number eight. Um, and this is, this is so key for our hearts, right? Um, and I want to make sure that we stress that this morning. Giving is about love, not legalism, right? We are not buying our way to Jesus. We're not buying our salvation to God. God is not going to love you more because you give 12% than if you gave 10% than if you gave zero, right? It's not about earning God's love. That's not what this is about. It's about growing my heart. It's about growing becoming uh, more and more in love with Jesus and becoming obedient to what God's called me to do. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, Each 
one must give as he has decided in his heart. It's a heart issue, right? It's not my salvation on the line, right? I think you can give zero dollars to God of your, of your giving and, and your salvation and still can be secure in him. I don't know why you would do that, right? Because you're not going to grow in the way you want you to. But it's not about your salvation. It's about your heart. It's about your love for God. Number nine, giving should be willingly, thankfully, and cheerfully done. Right? Second part of that uh, verse in 2 Corinthians 9, 7. He says, each person must decide in their heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Right? God wants us to do it because we're excited and we're cheerful and we're excited to see what God's going to do. In fact, I found a video and we don't have time to show it today, but we're going to show it because it just makes me laugh. And sometimes you just need to laugh. Um, right? So here's an example of a cheerful giver. Okay? Don't take this too literally. I mean, I've never seen anybody in any of our bedrock churches when it came time to giving. I mean, you've never seen me in my prime. I've never seen Andrew do this, no. I would cut it off, but my favorite part is at the end, so just hold on for like another 30 seconds. I just wish I could dance that well. It's coming. It's coming. Uh, I promise it's worth it. It's my favorite part coming up right here. After he drops it in. Here we go. Oh, there it is. Yes. That was my favorite part for so many reasons that I don't have time to get into, right? Now, obviously, I mean, there was there was a lot of cheerfulness in that, right? Um, obviously, I mean, hey, if, if we want to start dancing back and, and dropping in that, like, that's, I don't think anybody would be offended um, just be polite like he was, you know, the lady stood back and let him do his flip so that he, you know, got out of the way, right? But is my heart, right? Is my heart is generally excited when I can give to the purposes of God, right? Do we view God, right? Here's, here's, here's the question we need to ask ourselves. Do we view God as a celestial landlord where at the end of the month that check is always due, right? Is that how we view God? Just begrudgingly that we somehow have to owe him this in order for us to live. And so now, here, God, here's your money. Right? I heard it put this way. There are three types of giving. There's grudge giving, there's duty giving, and there's thanksgiving. Which one of those are we? Right? Do we give and are we like grudgeful? It's like, here, God, take your money. Right? I know I have to. Here it is. Or do we do it out of duty? I know I'm a Christian, so I have to do this. Or do I, or do I get to the place in my walk with Jesus where it's actually thanksgiving? Man, thank you, God, for letting me be a part of what you're doing, giving me a part of that, right? When we view God, do we view it like paying the IRS after an audit? Think about that for a second, right? I don't think anybody in this room is excited when the IRS says, you know what, you owe us more money. Does anybody celebrate? Is anybody cheerful about that? Not at all, right? Because we feel like, I mean, it's crazy that you already take my money for me making money. That's a whole other statement. That's a whole other sermon. We won't get into that today, right? But generally, we're not excited about that, right? Or is it like that engagement ring, right? Uh, when, you, when you save up to give money for an engagement ring. I had a friend of mine in college. Uh, we were in a, in a small group together. And uh, he, he really wanted to marry this young lady. Uh, he had a job. He was working uh, in a lab as a chemist in the lab. But he wasn't making enough money to earn that ring fast enough. So he got a second job, right? And I remember talking to him about it. And he was so excited about that second job. Not because he liked doing, you know, cleaning out fryers and all this sort of stuff. But the purpose for which he was able to earn that money to buy that ring to give to that girl. Is that how we view us getting to be a part of what God's called us to do? And then number 10, I wanted to save this to the end because I think this can get taken out of context a lot of times, right? But giving results in bountiful blessings, right? Listen to the full passage here in 2 Corinthians 9, uh, what Paul is saying. To the, <clears throat> the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Right? We don't do it in order to get a blessing from God, but God, in his own wonderful sovereignty and and in his plan, when we are abundant, right, and giving and being generous, he also blesses generously. 
right? That's not the reason that we give is to get something, but it's a result a lot of times. When we're generous, God meets those needs and blesses us, and there's blessing in that, okay? All right, so we don't have to have another question that we're going to do another group discussion question. This is something to say for your life group. But as you think through those 10 principles, right, which one of those really hits at where you're at right now? That's a good question to think about today. Where's your heart at? Is there one of these 10 principles that um, you would say, I really, really need to work on? Okay, so um, what I want to do now, though, is I'm going to actually ask Trina uh, Turner to come up and speak for just a minute um, about some of the ways that you can give and some of the things that our money goes toward here at Bedrock. And I didn't want to be the person asking that or saying that. Um, because again, so we're going we're to give it to Trina, right? Trina also manages a lot of our financial stuff, so she coordinates um, with our accounting uh, group that actually takes care of all of our money. Um, and she's a much better person to speak. Honestly, and Trina can probably attest to this, I really know hardly anything about who brings what, who does what, who gives what, how it, like, I handed that off because, again, I've heard too many, too many stories of times that hands have gotten put in, in wrong places in the pot with that stuff, and it just never turns out well. And so I was like, I don't even want to know who gives what, right? It's between them and the Lord. Um, and so Trina helps facilitate all of that stuff, and so she's a much better person to speak on this than I am. I hope I set you up well, Trina. You set me up well. He really knows nothing. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> nothing. Just in general. But a couple of the reasons of why is that when you give to Bedrock Church, you're giving to more than just Bedrock Church. Um, there are local missions that you are also supporting when you give here. Um, four different ones, Stepping Stones, which is the soup kitchen, uh, Young Life, that's right, uh, the Agape Center, um, which is a wonderful ministry as well. Um, and then the FC serving events, any of the things that we do here, like the nursing home event coming up at the end of the month, you're also supporting that. So when you give here, you're supporting multiple different local ministries. Um, there's also local outreach, things like the Easter egg hunt that we do, things like the Thanksgiving meal that we do here at the Henry Fork Center. Things of that nature are also things that your money is going to support. Then there's also the statewide church planting, the Southern Baptist Church Convention Cooperative Program funds church planting throughout the state of Virginia. So you're also doing this statewide, not just local, but also state. Then again, there is the countrywide church planting. Bedrock itself has churches around the country. Um, let's see if I can think of those. Pennsylvania is one. Um, not well, Pennsylvania, yes, but Philadelphia is one of them. Um, and then global missions. We also have a bedrock uh, church in Nicaragua. Because we care ministries, Donald Gillette, who came and spoke, he is in Nicaragua. So you're supporting that. You're supporting Crossover Global, which are the Chapmans, who came a few weeks ago to speak. We're also supporting them through the monies that are given here. And then Pioneers with Carmen, um, Carol, and um, Scott. Scott. I was going to say the wrong name. Um, Scott and Carol's daughter, Carmen, were supporting her in serving in the caucuses. So there are multiple different things that you're giving to. You're not just giving locally here. You're giving in so many different ways. So let's talk for a minute about how to give. Um, we have the treasure box in the back, which you can give every Sunday morning. There are envelopes back there that you can fill out so that if you want that receipt at the end of the year, we can give that to you. It's not necessary, but if you want that, the envelopes are there to provide for that. Um, you can set up a recurring payment. You can do that through your bank or checking account where it just comes out automatically, or you can set it up as a bill pay where you actually have to physically go into your checking account and make that payment every month. You can do that. That's an easy thing to do. 
Um, the other way that you can also give is online through PayPal. You can also do that, make that a recurring payment. If you do the PayPal, I'm just gonna let you know there is a small fee involved in that. They take a percentage of that out. So just be aware that if you do it through PayPal, there is a small fee that PayPal gets for that service. Um, a couple things I will mention if you're looking for this online, it's on our website. It's also on your phones if you're signing up for those sermon events every week. There's a spot on there that tells you about giving. So if you're looking that online, you can find that on our website as well as on that events thing. Thank you, Trina. You're welcome. Yay, Trina. <laughs> um, so uh, one of the pictures, too, I wanted you guys to understand is as a church, we're trying to also model what we talked about. And so we don't want to just keep all of that money that's collected here. We don't want it just to stay here, but we want to be good stewards and we want to send it out, not just locally, which we have a, hopefully we're, we're hoping to have a huge presence locally in meeting needs. And we're identifying these other ministries that God is using. Um, but we also want to do that across the state, across the country and across the world. And so that's really the picture that we have. Okay. Um, so now the practical side, right? I don't want us to skip this part because I think this is, uh, for a lot of us, this is the bread and butter of how we get to that place, right? Uh, a lot of us in this room will look at our at our financial position that we're in right now and we'll say, you know what, I would love to be generous, I would love to, but I'd also love for my kids to eat. Um, our kids eat a lot, right? Um, especially if you have young boys, uh, they eat a lot, and I'm assuming teenage boys eat even more. Um, I don't know, our girls aren't quite at that age yet, so I'll tell you in a couple of years, um, right? But you think about that, and you look at your life, and you're like, man, there's just no margin. There's no way I could be generous, right? I'm barely squeaking by to support my local church. I can't think about giving to other things or other people or any of that other stuff, right, because of my own financial position, right? And so, again, this, this, a lot of these are probably things that you already know, okay? I'm just simply wanting to remind us these are some practical steps to help us become better stewards, move into a place that we can do that. And this is for everybody, right? This is, this is for anybody uh, that has any money coming in at all. These are things that we can look at and do, okay? Um, so it doesn't mean just because you have a job, you have to look at this, um, okay? Number one, most importantly, most important step is to know where your money's going. Know where your money's going. Track it, right? It's hard to be generous if you have no idea where your money's going, right? You just say, I know at the end, like, I'm just always paycheck to paycheck. And I know at the end, like, some months I kind of make it through, and other months we get real, real thin toward the end of the month, and we clean out the pantry, and we just kind of hope that we have enough to get through the end. Um, right? If you don't track it, you're not going to know what you're spending on. You will never know how to spend it if you don't know where it's going. Right? Very basic principle. Um, and I saw this so much in college. When I was in college, it was the early days of online banking. So when banking just came out, um, I remember uh, if I wanted to go hang out with my buddies, if I wanted to go hang out on uh, you know Friday, go to the go to the movies, go out to dinner, whatever, I would log into my bank account on my computer, right? Because it was before we had smartphones, and I'd log into my bank account. It was like if I had anything in the plus column, right? If I didn't see a red number across there, I was like, yes, I can go out to eat and I can spend eight dollars and forty-two cents. And so I would typically spend eight dollars and forty-two cents. Um, like yes, I get to go to the dollar store and buy some candy before the movies. Um, Right? And that's how, but that's not a good account. That's not knowing where my money went, right? That's just tracking it to see if I got anything left, right? And so there's very simple ways that you can do this, right? It can just simply be just looking at your bank account. If you, if you have a debit account or a debit card, it's just it's so simple for you just to print out what you spent things on last month. And you might be surprised to see, man, we spent a lot of money on some stuff that I probably don't value that much, right? Uh, and so track it, see where it's going. Number two, I think this is, this is really, really key. Grow a proper perspective on your money, right? I think a lot of times we think that we don't have money to do things that God's called us to. We don't think we have money to, to support things. Um, but then we also don't have a proper perspective on what some of those things may cost, right? We think, man, I can't have an impact. I don't have that much money at the end of the month. Um, but as we look at our life, it's helpful to see a proper perspective, right? So there's a couple things. Um, th these are just national things. These are not like local as far as uh, how much money we have, but a gym membership for a year costs around $500, okay? Uh, I just went on and looked at Because We Care. Um, you can support one kid going to school for a year for $250. Here's the crazy thing about this gym membership, as most of us know, is we, it's rarely ever used, <laughs> right? How many of us have a gym membership that just kind of reoccurring payment, but we hardly ever use it, right? 
took half of that, you could send a, a kid to school for a year. Like, think about the eternal impact, right? And they're not just going to school there. They're also learning the gospel, right, and getting equipped for that. Um, next. Um, this kind of blew my mind, but it shouldn't, right? Cable upgrades and streaming services, on average, we spend about $800 a year on those things, right? You could send a kid to a weekend camp with Young Life for about $175, right? Think about the impact if you just cut back on some of that. Or you could send a kid for a whole week in the summer to go. And I guarantee you when they go, they're going to hear about Jesus, right? If you don't believe me, talk to some of these guys on the front row, and they can tell you stories, some of their stories of how God showed up when they were able to get away from mom and dad, maybe, for a week, uh, and just focus on the gospel. Get away from all the influences of life and focus on the gospel and what impact that had on their life, right? And I wanted to connect these to local things that we can actually be a part of, right? I know we don't have a Starbucks, uh, fill in the blank for your coffee thing or whatever you do, right? But on average, about $5 a day to get a latte drink for Starbucks. And I know some people spend that every day. I may or may not be in that category, um, right? But for $10, you could, you could help fund something that Young Life is doing, which is just allowing their kids to go and connect with the leader. And I guarantee you when they go and hang out, right, they're having gospel conversations. Or maybe even better than that, you could take that money and find somebody who doesn't know Jesus and take them out to coffee yourself and share the gospel yourself. Um, okay, let's keep going. I'm going to start preaching in a minute. Um, this blew me away. For a family, $2,600 a year on going out to eat, right? In comparison, okay, just comparison. For $10 um, in Nicaragua, uh, you can feed a family of six for a week. Right? Just think about that. Think about how many families. And I'm not saying you don't go out to eat, right? But what if you just took off like, you know, a quarter of the times that you go out to eat, right? Think about how many families you can meet needs for. All right? I think there's one last. Um, $6,658 paid in interest on debt nationally for most people. Um, between mortgages, between credit cards, between other things that they have, right? Um, you could take some of that same money, right, if we, if we learn to manage our money uh, potentially, and to send someone from Bedrock Church, Franklin County, to Nicaragua to go and share the gospel. $1,400 is what it costs for a trip to go um, and make a gospel impact. So I just want to give you guys, there's some practical ways. That, again, this is not guilting you into what you're spending on. This is just a perspective, right, as we think about money. So I think about, man, two Starbucks visits could equate to a kid having a conversation with somebody about Jesus or me taking somebody out instead of just myself, right? I could take somebody else out to Starbucks with me or to a coffee shop and have a gospel impact. Instead of me just going out to eat, I'm thinking about those around the world that may not have food, and I could be a part of that. Okay, number three. Uh, this is probably uh, the most important part of that, and that's the plan what you want to do with your money, right? I'm probably not telling anybody anything they don't know. If anything, I'm probably just reminding people of things that you should already know, right? Yes, it's important to know where your money's going, but if you don't ever plan what you're going to do with it, it's never going to happen, right? And so the way we plan it is what we call a budget, right? Is anybody surprised by that? Anybody ever not heard that word before, budget, right? But I think sometimes we have this really bad impression when we think about a budget. It, like, it's intimidating, it's scary, and we think about Excel, and we think, of, now, some of us get really excited. Um, my wife gets excited. That's her free time is, is going and looking at our budget like that's, I don't understand it, Right? But some of us were like, ah, oh, budget, I can't do that. It's really scary, right? Let me just tell you, a budget is not scary, right? I want to make a comparison, right? Um, a budget is like a map, okay? You guys see my map I drew this morning? Me and Trude help me out with this. Um, this is my map, right? And so if I'm starting out right here, um, if I'm starting out right here and I want to get to the X, this is the place financially I know God's calling me to do, right? I need a map that shows me, right, how to get there how to navigate the landscape and how to get there. It's a plan. It's a map. It's a picture to help show me how to go from where I'm at to this place that I want to be at. That's all a budget is, right? It's, it's, it's really, really not as complicated as we make it. It's just a plan to help us know where our money's going and then a plan to get to that place, right? And there's tons of ways that you can do that. I'm not going to go into all of those, right? It can be as simple as taking a piece of paper and writing out your bills, writing out what money you have come in and make a plan of how you want to spend that. Right? Um, because we live in 2020, right? There's also some really cool online things that you can do with that too that's really helpful. One of those, one of those, there's a lot of them. One of those is an app called Every Dollar App, uh, put out by a guy named Dave Ramsey. I don't know if you, anybody's ever heard of him before. Um, you know, a little small financial guy who ended up being bankrupt, I think, a couple of times and then now is like a millionaire 
um, but goes and coaches people through that because he learned how to use his money, how to manage his money. Um, and so there's a free app called Every Dollar. You can do it on your phone. You can do it on your computer, right? You log in. You simply just put what money comes in, okay? And then you put all of the things that need to come out, all the bills that you have, all the debt that you have, all the things that you want to spend on, right? Two things I love about this. One is that it, it operates under the principles of putting the big stones in first. We talked about that last week, right? So one of the first questions it asks you is, what do you want to give to the Lord? What do you financially want to be able to give to God coming out first and foremost before everything else hits, right? It's one of the first questions it asks you, right? Don't be a tipper of God. We like to tip God at the end and say, okay, if I have enough at the end of the month, God, if you've been really generous, I'll give you a little bit back, right? This is the principle of I'm going to give God first out of what he's given to me, uh, and then put everything else in there, okay? So it puts in the big stones, but it's also a zero, uh, a zero budget, which means that they want you to account for every single dollar that you have coming in, right? And so, like, the way this practically works is, like, say that you want to go out to eat, right? You just plan that I want to spend $100 going out to eat this month or $150 going out. It's not saying that you can't go out to eat. It just wants you to know where that money's going. And that's what I love about this. It's really cool. It's really nice. Uh, and it's free, which is incredibly awesome. So every dollar app, um, I just want to point you guys in that direction. There's thousands of other ways. If you need help with that, um, please see me and I'll probably point you to Nicole because she's way better at doing budgets than I am. Um, but if, if you guys want somebody to help walk through any of that stuff with you, we'd be more than glad to do that. Number four, and this is important, earn your money to make a difference, right? There's nothing wrong with earning money. In fact, the Bible encourages us to work hard to make money so that we can make a difference in other people. In 1 Timothy 5, we don't have time to read it today, but he says, look, if you can't provide for your own family's needs, you're worse than a non-believer, right? There's a, there's a biblical principle that it's okay. We need to work hard. We need to earn money to make uh, our needs, to support things, to support our church, to support those in need, right? Uh, in 2 Thessalonians 3, Paul uh, admonishes those that are idle, that are lazy, that just don't want to work, that can, but just don't want to, right? He has some harsh rebuke for them. Right? So it's okay to work. It's okay to make money so that we can make a difference. And then finally, and this is, this is, uh, this is where we're going to land at, number five is the fight for contentment. Fight for contentment. And I think this is probably where the real struggle comes in for most of us. Right? It's a battle sometimes, right? When you look across the street and you see the neighbor get that brand new shiny thing and you feel like, I should have that because my neighbor has it. Or because you have friends right, that are going out after, after school, after work, after whatever, and going and doing things, and you feel like, I should have to do that, right? I should be entitled to doing that, right? But to look at your life and say, am I content, right, where God has me, right? It's a choice for us to be content, and we have to fight for contentment, right? And part of that is enjoying it, right? Enjoying what God has given you, what God has allowed to bless you with, right? Enjoying those resources and choosing to be content in what God's given to you. All right, uh, let's wrap up with this. Uh, two questions to think about this week. Oh, we're going to skip that one. Not that it's not important, but we're going to skip it. Go on to the next slide. There you go. Two questions to ask yourself. Okay. Number one, are you willing to accept God's principles for giving? Right? Things we talked about out of scripture. Are you willing to accept those? And then number two, are you willing to give like you mean it? Are you willing to give like you mean it? Okay. So here's the, here is the practice this week. Here's how we're going to put that into play in our lives. Uh, number one, Seek God on how he would have you spend and give his money, right? So we talked about those 10 principles. Um, how would God have you spend what he's given to you, right? Ask yourself, pray that. Ask him to show you the things that he wants you to be a part of. Um, number two, if you don't already, create a monthly expense list and evaluate your, your past spending. Know where your money's going. Number three, even though we don't have numbers, create a budget, a plan uh, for how to use the money that he's given you. And then finally begin Spending and giving according to your plan, what God has you to do. Again, nothing that you guys don't already know. It's just the encouragement to actually go out and to do it. Right? That's the biggest, the biggest part of that. Um, I have voices coming in. That must be my sign that I'm, I'm done. I need to wrap up this morning. Okay? Um, so, again, as we, as we conclude uh, this morning, as we wrap up, um, I think, I think uh, we always want to try to drive everything home to the gospel, right? That's the, that's the climax for us always, right? And yes, we give because it's God's. We give because uh, he's called us to, right? But, but for, for all of us that have found our hope 
in Jesus Christ, right? I can't think of a better example of someone who gave willingly of everything that he had, right, than Jesus, right? To the point of giving his own life for us, right, so that we could have a relationship with God. He didn't have to do that. We certainly didn't deserve that to happen. But because of his great love for us, he chose to come and endure the pain of the cross and to die for our hearts, to die for our lives so that we could spend eternity with God, right? And so as we wrap up today, uh, maybe that's the place that you need to think about your heart too. Do I have that heart that, that Jesus had that was willing to, to go and to do whatever um, that, that, it, that it cost, that it cost him everything? And so as we wrap up today, I want to drive it back to that gospel moment. Right, I, want to, I want our minds to go back to what Jesus did for us. Um, we're going to sing, Josh and Kayla are going to come up and lead us, and Jesus paid it all. Right? And so today, wherever you're at financially, right, that's something between you and the Lord to work on. But in this moment, I want our hearts to just think about the sacrifice that Jesus gave for each one of us. And as we sing this out together, uh, let's, let that just be our worship this morning um, and just singing praises to Jesus, our Savior, for all that he did for us. Okay, so let's uh, let me let me close this in prayer, and then Josh and Kelly are going to lead us in this last this last song. Father, thank you for um, God just time this morning to uh, reflect on the principles in your Word about how we spend our money. God, ultimately, we know that it's about you and not about us. But as we enter into this this final um, this final moment of of worship, this final time of worship this morning through singing, God, help our hearts to just to be cheerful and generous in the praises that we sing out to you, God, for what you did for us, for sending your son, for Jesus coming and dying for us, that he paid the ultimate price. He paid it all for us so that we could spend eternity with you. So Father, if you sing this last song, God, I just pray that that would be our heart. God, may you receive the glory from our, from our words, from our singing this morning, God, and from our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.